As we come to the last Sunday in ordinary time, the church gives us the feast of Christ the King. This feast has a relatively recent origin in the church's calendar, having only been instituted by Pope Pius XI in 1925 in the encyclical Quas Primas. Like many such liturgical celebrations, it was instituted in response to specific concerns that the Pope and the Church had in that time. Yet, because the Church always speaks to eternal verities, this Feast of Christ the King remains fully relevant to our day. Indeed, many of the concerns present in the 1920s seem equally or more prevalent even now. The best way to express the overarching concern that Pius XI had in that time would be for the social and political fracturing that was occurring in Europe and throughout the globe. This had been going on for some time, but was becoming especially acute in the aftermath of the First World War. The first of those concerns was the rise of secularism. Secularism promotes the idea that the faith is merely a private concern, and it should not inform public philosophy or the operation of government. This resulted in laws, social programs, and especially schools that were divorced from the Christian faith. The second concern was the rise of socialism. Socialism can take many forms, but its underlying idea is that the social classes are inherently antagonistic, and only government control of private property and the economy could manage the life of society in a just way. Inherent in socialism, besides the rejection of the right of private property, which the church has always protected, is the idea that the political authority has the implicit right to control individuals, families, and civic and ecclesial institutions. Not with a view towards strengthening them in their inherent dignity, which is subsidiarity, but for the purpose of having them serve some greater political good, which often turned into a kind of political messianism. The third concern was increasing nationalism. The Pope differentiated nationalism from patriotism, which is a laudable social virtue. But extreme forms of nationalism, by contrast, divide men according to nationality, ethnicity, or race, in ways that obscure our commonality as sons and daughters of God the Father. And this fosters rivalry, hatred, and conflict. Each of these forces cleaves society in deep and problematic ways. Secularism divides people from the church and gives rise to anti-clericalism. Socialism divides the rich from the poor, pitting their interests as inherently contrary and unmanageable, apart from a re radical restructuring of social life in ways that are contrary to the gospel. And nationalism hastened the resort to war and obscured the inherent brotherhood of peoples and nations. The Feast of Christ the King is meant to remind us that the Christian faith and the teachings of the Church should infuse our approach to all of these issues, the governance of society, the relation of the social classes, and the relationships between countries. None of these questions can be properly divorced from the recognition that over and above all temporal authorities is one true and eternal King, Jesus Christ himself. Indeed, the Gospel reading reminds us that Christ does not sit merely in judgment of individuals as such, but rather he is the judge of all of the nations. Meaning not that nations themselves go to heaven, 
but that no individual escapes Christian judgment for those things which they do or pursue in the realm of political and social affairs. In other words, we cannot, as Christians, try to segregate our faith from our public life. All things come under the jurisdiction of Christ, the King of the universe. There is nothing in our private, economic, or political lives to which our faith does not apply. That which we do unto others in any capacity, we do unto Christ, and we will be judged accordingly. In Ubi Arcano Dei Concilio, which was an earlier encyclical in 1922 that was a precursor to the proclamation of Christ the King in 1925, Pius XI noted that the alleged peace won by the armistice which concluded the First World War would prove illusory. A highly prophetic statement, it turns out, because he recognized that the peace that it imposed was largely legalistic. The armistice did nothing to reconcile in the hearts of men the forces that unleashed the war in the first place, the destructive forces of nationalism, socialism, and secularism. It did nothing to foster charity between and within nations that might mitigate these types of future conflicts, as the world would sadly discover soon with the outbreak of World War II. These same tensions and fault lines exist in our nation and in our world today. Conflict between nations rooted in avarice and greed. Conflict between social classes rooted in envy and suspicion. And conflict between secular forces in the church rooted in the loss of the Christian faith. Pope Pius XI recognized that the core to the solution of these larger social and political questions begins with individual conversion. He explained that concupiscence of the flesh leads to the disease of secularity because the inordinate desire for material or sexual pleasure leads to the casting off of the Christian faith and the due authority of the church in our lives. Concupiscence of the eyes, which we more commonly call envy, inevitably turns into class warfare and social egotism, with a concomitant desire to rule over or domineer others and to appropriate their goods for ourselves. And finally, pride of life fa fosters factional rivalries, based upon alleged superiorities rooted in national, racial, or ethnic differences. These sentiments give rise to conflicts on both the local and the international levels. The only solution to these problems now as then is the recognition of Christ the King, who teaches that the dictates of love must inform all it is that we do. We must recognize that our approaches to the family, to economic life, to politics, to the international order, must be conformed to Jesus Christ, who will, in the end, supersede every sovereignty, authority, and power. There is no room for divided loyalties between our Christian faith and our government of the world. So much less so is there room for division within our own hearts, because we must surrender all things to the sovereignty of Jesus Christ. And so let us now recite the prayer, Jesu Dulcissime Redemptor, composed by Pope Pius XI for the celebration of the Feast of Christ the King. Most sweet Jesus, Redeemer of the human race, look down upon us humbly prostrate before you. We are yours, and yours we wish to be, but to be more surely united with you. Behold, each one of us freely consecrates himself today to your most sacred heart. 
Many indeed have never known you. Many too, despising your precepts, have rejected you. Have mercy on them all, most merciful Jesus, and draw them to your sacred heart. Be king, O Lord, not only of the faithful who have never forsaken you, but also of the prodigal children who have abandoned you. Grant that they may quickly return to their father's house, lest they die of wretchedness and hunger. Be king of those who are deceived by erroneous opinions, or whom discord keeps aloof, and call them back to the harbor of truth and the unity of faith, so that soon there may be but one flock and one shepherd. Grant, O Lord, to your church assurance of freedom and immunity from harm. Give tranquility of order to all nations. Make the earth resound from pole to pole with one cry. Praise to the divine heart that wrought our salvation. To it be glory and honor forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.